0: Turn your, ear. Turn your ear to heaven and hear the noise inside, the sound of angels on, the sound of angels' songs, and all this for a key. We could join and sing, all to Christ the King constant, how divine, this song of ours will rise, oh how constant, how divine, this love of ours will arise will rise, oh praise him, oh praise him, he is holy, Turn your gaze to heaven and raise the joyous noise, the sound of salvation coming, the sound of rescued ones and all this for a king, angels join to sing, all for Christ the King, oh. Praise him. Oh, praise him. He is holy. He is holy. Can oh, praise him. Oh, praise him. He is holy. He is holy. How infinite sweet, this love so rescuing, oh how infinitely sweet, this great love that has redeemed as one we sing, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. he is holy. chorus together one more time. And oh praise him, oh praise him, he is holy, he is holy. Again, worthy is the Lamb. And is to come. With all creation, I sing praise to the King of Peace. You are my everything, and I will. Up. Jesus, your name is power, breath and living water, such a marvelous mystery, yeah, and holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Take it
1: all my life in your name. Church, would you pray with me? Father, may that be, may that song, Lord, be the prayer in our hearts, that our heart is yours, that all we have is yours, God. Father, help us to let go of the things which we hang on to for comfort or to try and describe what we think as our own theology. Lord, it's all about Jesus. And Father, all those years ago, you watched as a crowd of people, those who proclaimed to love and follow Jesus, laid down their coats in the branches and proclaimed him king. And only a week later, spit on him mocked him and made fun of him. God, we've been there. Thank you for your forgiveness. Jesus, thank you that you knew the cost. You knew what lay ahead. And you laid down your life and said to us, my life is yours. Jesus, we thank you for that. We can never, ever say thank you enough. So Father, help us to live that out. Help us to reach out to those around us and tell them what it means to be a part of your family and what it means to be a part of a forgiveness that none of us could ever fathom. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you're about and what you went through for us. Thank you that you're with us in our sorrows and our joys, our hurts, our habits, any hang-up we have, God. You know all of them and you choose to forgive and forget and love. Jesus, we love you. In your name, amen. Be seated. I want to introduce to you uh, this morning our speaker, uh, Jody Hoover. If any of you have heard her speak, you know how um, powerful she is and how God uses her for good things. Uh, So Jody, we'll have you come on up. And uh, one thing, if you ask Jody, is that ministry is not what she's about. But if God calls, she'll step up step out and do as he calls. So would you welcome her this morning and Jody welcome. Jody, I just want to pray for you. okay God, thanks for Jody. thank you for her willingness uh, to be used by you this morning. Lord thank you that you've given her um, something very specific for us to hear today and uh, Father would you give her courage, help her to be brave, help her to be bold, help her to reflect Jesus back to us father thank you for community thank you that we can all be here together in your name this morning as equals and all one because of you be with jody lord thank you for what you have to say through her in jesus name amen
2: amen so last week susie williams did a great job teaching and she taught on living life and living life in abundance she discussed what can hold us back from making that choice, and she encouraged us to get onto the ride. And so today I'm going to discuss with you what is really the cost of living life with the Lord. What are we willing to risk for the Lord? So we're going to go right into it, and we're going to, the passage is John 5, 1 through 9. And it says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. I need to turn and see it this way. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked, do you want to be healed? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured, and he picked up his mat, and he walked. Now, I love this story because this is such an awesome story for not only the church body, but for us personally. Here's a group of people who are disabled and who need healing, and they gather together for healing. That's us. Now, we get to partner with God sometimes, and we get to be his hands and feet, and we get to say, do you want to be healed to each other? And sometimes, if you look at the blind, and the lame, and the paralyzed, we are that. We sometimes have all three of them, but we have some disabilities in our lives that we need to deal with. And sometimes we get to partner with the Lord, and, and bring that healing through his hands and feet. So what are we blind on? See, we all have blind spots in our lives. We all are struggling with things that we just don't see. And some of us may be walking, but we're walking with a lame leg. Is that some unforgiveness that you have been carrying around? Is that some anger that you are not willing to let go? Are some of us just paralyzed in fear and can't even take a step for the Lord? Paralyzed by self-doubt, And we can't take a step for the Lord, even when he calls us to. And the thing is, when Jesus said, do you want to be healed? He's saying, do you want a new identity? Do you want an identity that is based in me? Or do you want an identity that is based in our circumstances? See, this man had been laying down for 38 years. And so when Jesus said to him, do you want to be healed? It was not just a physical manifestation. This was going to change this man's life forever. Now, how many of us are struggling for the last 10 years with unforgiveness? How many of us have been angry and we're not willing to let it go? So when Jesus says to us, do you want to be healed? If we say yes, that means we walk in a whole different way. And let me assure you, when he heals us, he expects us to walk. So when the Lord says, do you want a new identity, are we willing to lay it down? You see, if we are dealing with unforgiveness, we don't really know how to get rid of that. And what does that look like? See, if we hold on to unforgiveness, it kind of becomes our mat. If we hold on to our anger... It becomes our mat, and unfortunately, these mats turn into really comfortable beds for us. They've got the down comforter on it. They've got the pillows, and that's what we know, and unfortunately, our dysfunction becomes normal to us. It becomes who we are, and that is not how God wants us to live. If we lay down our unforgiveness, how do we pick up love? We don't know. If we are going to lay down our anger, that's going to mean that we have to face our pain we don't know how to do that we know what it's like to lay in our mat and be comfortable and be happy and safe there but when we walk out for the lord we don't know what that looks like without this stuff so as a church we are there to help one another and we are to ask each other do you want to be healed can i pray for you now, it is not our job as the church, though, to judge. See, we can look at a person that has anger, and we can call that out. You have anger. You need to deal with it. But that person has to be ready. See, we see in the natural. God sees in the supernatural. And we cannot judge a person's heart by what they're willing to do and what they're, when they're willing to be healed. Now, I run the senior high youth group. Susie runs the junior high youth group. And... When we came together, Susie and I um, didn't really know each other. And When Doug asked us to lead the youth group after the previous guy had left, the Lord gave us very specific guidelines for this church, for the youth group. And when we came together, our vision was exactly the same. So we knew what we wanted to do and we knew what we did not want to do. Now, in our youth group, um, we do not bribe the children to come, we don't give them candy. We don't give them soda. We don't bribe them with pizza. We just open up this place, and we teach the word of God. We allow them to come in the presence of the Holy Spirit through worship and praying for one another. That's it. We have no candy if you bring two friends. We don't give you a pizza if you bring your Bible. And we don't care who shows up, because whoever God wants in our group for that day, that's who shows up. And we're good with that. We never ask the kids to come. Never. We feel that that's the Holy Spirit's job, or the kids in the youth group. But as the adults, you'll never see us going to your children. Want to come to youth group? Do you want to come to my youth group? We don't do that. Until this one girl that we're going to call Nancy. Now, Nancy, to give you a little background on Nancy, she um, does not have a father. Her mother has a lot of issues. She um, struggles with drug addiction. She deals with alcohol. She brings men in and out that have been abusive. So because of that, she's had to go to her mom's, go to family, go to friends. She's been tossed around her whole life. And when that happens, she built cinder blocks of hurt and pain around her heart. Non-Christians hurt her. Cinder blocks, cinder blocks, cinder blocks. Christians hurt her. Christians hurt her, you know, honestly, more than probably the non Christians hurt her. Cinder block upon cinder block around this kid. And she is mean and she is nasty and she could punch you right out. Like she's that type that could honestly knock you out. And she knows enough about the scripture that if you're even wrong at a little about the scripture, she will tell you about that as well. So she is this hardened kid, but when I saw her, God gave me supernatural eyes for this child, and I would ask her, Nancy, you want to come to youth group? No? Okay. Nancy, do you want to come to youth group? No, I will never go. I hate youth group. Okay. Nancy, please, can you come to youth group? No. Her walls were bigger and stronger by the day, and when the world would look at her, and they, and they saw anger in her, the Lord showed me that she's in pain. And when the world saw that she's a tough, mean kid, I saw that she had a heart and of compassion and mercy. And when the world looked at her and just saw this hardness girl, I saw what an opportunity for freedom in Christ. And I knew she had to come to our youth group. I knew it. So one day, Avery, my daughter, comes home. She says, Mom... Nancy's coming to youth group. I was so happy. I was thrilled. And Avery said, but we've got some rules we've got to establish, Mom. Number one, she hates worship. She thinks it's fake. She thinks it's a bunch of emotional people getting wrapped up in a song. And if you cry, it means you're weak-willed and you want people to look at you. So she's not going to stay for worship. Okay, that's not a problem. She's coming to youth group. This is great. Second, you can't go near her. You can't pray with her. You can't talk to her. You can't give her one of your words from the Lord. And I would like to say that that was the first time I had had that request, but it wasn't. It wasn't. So I was okay with that. I was like, okay, I can do that. I won't talk to her, I promise. I can get a little intense. I get that. And third, just just let her slip in and let her slip out. okay. So she comes to youth group, and I don't speak to her. I don't even acknowledge she's there. I'm, I'm following all the rules. I don't say hello, nothing. It's going great. She sits through my talk. She does not heckle me, which I was prepared for. She does not talk through the, the, the entire discussion. She was listening, and she was focused, and she, she, uh, the lesson was over. And I was like, yeah. She came. She stayed. This is great. I went to the bathroom because I assumed she was out of there. And I went to the bathroom and come out for worship. And she's sitting in the second row. Now, this isn't the church we were at. So we are at the Crossroads Community when it's two rows all the way back. So it's long and skinny. Not like this where it's all spread out. Long and skinny. She's in the second row. Why are you still here? And why are you in the second row? And now Avery and her little posse are all lying down the row. Okay, great, Lord, this is even better than I could have imagined. She's staying for worship. So what we do in youth group is we, during the worship time, we um, pray and we say, Lord, is there anyone here that I need to pray for? Is there anyone, do you have a word for any of these kids? Or do you want me to just worship quietly in the back? So worship has begun. And what I notice is that she changed the atmosphere in the youth group. See, she sat there like this during worship. And my kids at youth group, they worship the Lord. They know what the presence of God is. And these kids press into the things of the Lord. But today, they kind of sat like this, too. And there would be an occasional like this. But it was not, not like it normally was. But I'm okay with that because Nancy's here. And see, God loves Nancy. And so if this means that the other kids aren't going to worship us, I'm okay with that. So I go to the back and I said, Lord, who do you have for me to pray for tonight? And the Lord said, I need you to pray for Nancy. And I said, did you not hear the rules? (laughs) Did you not hear the rules? I'm not allowed. I was told specifically I cannot do that. The Lord said, I need you to pray for Nancy. I've given you a heart for this child, and she needs to know my heart. And I said, how about the boy that swore at me last week? <laughs> the boy that left my talk, screamed to swear, and said, I hate you. I'd rather talk to him tonight. That's a better option. Do you understand? And the Lord said, you need to go up. Now, she's in the second row. Do you get that? So now I am going to go into the front of the church, and all of my youth group kids are going to see me get my spiritual butt handed to me. This kid is going to tear me down. I know it. They know it. It's like a sport. I'm surprised they did not bring popcorn to this event. Do you understand? So I go up, and as I was walking, Avery caught my eye. And she looked at me like, you stupid, stupid woman. (laughs) And I looked at her like, I don't want to do this either. I got the rules. So I went up to her and I said, hey, Nancy, can I pray with you? And she said, yeah. You want to pray for me, do you? You want to pray? I said, no, I don't really want to pray, no. No. (laughs) And I said... Yes, I do. And then I could feel the Holy Spirit. And I said, yes, I actually do. And you need to know what the Lord is saying about you. And I looked at her, and now the girls have all elbowed each other. Watch this. This is going to be good. So now they've made like a semicircle to watch the show. And I said, I want you to know that the Lord loves you so much. And he has made it very clear that there are two paths you can go down. One of those paths leads to death and destruction. But this other path, he wants to walk with you, and he is standing with his arms open wide. And at that, this tough girl no matter how many cinder blocks that she has when the holy spirit speaks to your heart they crash and the girl fell down into hysterical crying and i hugged onto her and those girls that were watching as a show those girls were shocked And then they worshiped that Lord, let me tell you. Those hands never lifted so higher. Those eyes never slammed so shut. And then not only did they worship, but they started praying for each other. They started ministering to one to another. Because if this girl can get changed, that's the God that we serve. I'm worshiping that God. So I prayed with her. I sent her on her way. And I was so happy. Me, Stacy, and Susie are high-fiving. Like, this is the day that Nancy came and got touched by the Lord. This is going to be great. She's going to teach on you Sunday. She is going to grow. Like, this girl, this is great. So the next week, I couldn't wait. Where's Nancy? She didn't come. The following week, where's Nancy? She didn't come. I said to her, when you walk this path, I'll walk it with you when you're ready. I thought it would be the following week. The Weeks turned into months. Months turned into years. And I never heard from her. She never came back to my youth group. Never. And I struggled, Lord, you are the God that leaves the 99 for the one. How did this happen? How did you not bring her in? We had plans, Lord. We were going to walk together you leave the 99 for the one. She never came back. Three years later, I get a text. I'm ready. I'm ready. I took a risk. I didn't want to. But I got to partner with the Lord. And she was ready. Now, if I had judged her and I said, well, she, she picked the path of destruction. That's too bad for her. But I still, I loved her and I prayed, and she wasn't ready. And so, when we look at one another, when we get to partner with the Lord with each other, give us grace, give us love. Don't judge, because we see only in the natural, not in the supernatural. So, this guy's response now, what you have to understand is that the reason why they all went to this pool is because the angel of the Lord would come down to this pool, stir up the water, and if you could get into the pool, you would be healed. If you could get into the presence of God, you could be healed. Now, that is like our modern-day altar. And we look at this, and if we know, if we can get a tangible touch from the living God, we will be healed. So these very unhealthy people came, and they waited for the opportunity to be healed. And when the Lord said, do you want to be healed, he gave excuses. I have no one to help me get into the pool. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down and cuts ahead of me. I do that. I do that. I complain. Do you know how hard my life is? Do you know how difficult the things that I'm going through are? Why is God touching this person at the altar? Why doesn't he touch me? We have to be careful that we don't miss God in that. I don't know if many of you remember Jean Allen. She is this dynamic prophet of God. She comes in with words. She doesn't know you. She'll pull you right out, and she gives you these awesome, awesome women of God. She, as a matter of fact, pulled up Rachel and Tom Noland, and and she described the crown that the Lord was going to put on their heads down to their birthstone. So when she was coming, I wanted to be there. Because I had just started with the youth group, and I wanted the Lord to say, this is where I have you. You're doing well. I just wanted to hear that. So I went. Now, if you know me, I don't go to things. I don't do the women's ministry. I don't do the Holy Spirit weekend. If I do, I go maybe once, and I'm out of there. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily go to all the things the church has to offer, except when Jean was here, because I wanted a word from the Lord to let me know I was in his will, So Friday night came, super excited, going in. She pulled out everyone, not me. Come on, Lord. I want a word. I'm taking care of your kids. Just give me a word. Saturday morning came. I'm there. I wore a little bit brighter shirt. (laughs) She didn't even look my way. Afternoon session came. I sat closer to the front. And I tried to make eye contact, like around, (laughs) Then we had dinner. I got next to her in the buffet line. Hey, you like the lasagna? Remember me. Do you like it? I tried to sit next to her. She had nothing for me. Sunday morning came. I was pretty much dressed up in neon in the front row with my youth like, Hey, I want a word. I want to know I'm doing okay, Lord. I want to know that you see what I'm doing and I'm in your will. Sunday morning came and went and I'm ripping mad now. I'm ripping mad. I'm doing this for you. You can't even just say I'm doing okay. Like this guy. I'm mad. Everyone else gets words. She got her stinking birthstone. All I want is like good job on the youth group. That's all that I'm asking. Nothing. So we're picking up, ready to leave. And this woman that has gone to the church, she's gone now. We didn't quite get along. And she kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And... So if, if, we, if I saw her coming, I would pretend to do something else and walk on. Well, she's coming right at me. And I was like, oh, I'm super mad about not getting the word. And now I have to deal with this woman. And the Lord said, here comes your word. And I said, no, no, no. I do not want that. I want the daughter of Zion. I want the birthstone. I do not want a word from this woman that I don't even like. That is no. He said, You don't get to choose who I talk through. Receive this word. The woman came up, looked at me, and said, Listen, I see what you're doing in the youth group, and so does the Lord. And he says, Well done. And I was like, Oh, that is my word. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I repented, and I was like, Ah. But I was like him I don't get a word. Guys, we miss stuff. When we fill our lives with complaining, and not getting what we think we deserve from the Lord, we miss him. Now, I threw a baby fit at church. I did. But the Lord still covered it, and his word is not condemning, but it's clarifying. And I said, okay, Lord, not only did I get the word, but I got the word, too. I got what my heart was really full of. So... Verse 8, the Lord says, pick up your mat and walk. This is verbs. Pick up your mat and walk. When God heals, when you want to live abundant life, he, 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 there's a cost. He wants you to actually walk. He wants you to rub against other people, speak into their lives, and walk for him. But there is a huge risk. This man has been laying for 38 years. How does he know he's not going to fall? His legs aren't even strong enough. But he picked up his mat and he walked. There's always a risk to falling when you walk out for the Lord. Now, when David and I were first married, we had two children, Avery and Kyle, two and four. And one day David said, Let's go out for ice cream. So I said, Okay, so we get in the car. Now, I like my things to be neat. I like my house to be neat. I just like things in order. And we got this new car, and we went down to uh, to get ice cream. And we get our ice cream cones, and David says, let's go home with them. I said, are you crazy? We're going to put a two- and a four-year-old in the back of my car with ice cream. That's ridiculous. That I'm not doing that. David said, I want to go home. Now, David is super laid back, so he'd usually, you know, he doesn't care about stuff like that. But today, he wanted to take the two and four-year-old, give him ice cream cones, and put him in the car. Stupid. So, <laughs> And this was before the days of Clorox wipes. So you know that's going to be removing the car seat covers. That means the green steam machine's going to get busted out. Like, there's going to be ice cream for miles. So I'm like, whatever. So I get in the car, and we're driving home. And we see a man that we haven't seen 15 years, walking down the street. And David says, I'm going to give my ice cream to Roger. And, you know, me always hearing so clearly from the Lord and just always having my ear to the heartbeat of the Lord said, that is the stupidest idea I have ever heard. That's ridiculous. Who wants your nasty ice cream cone? No one. That's ridiculous. Now, here's the risk for David. Did he hear from God? Was it just a thought? And the risk is he's going to have to deal with me because now there's melting ice cream, and he's got a nagging wife that, let me tell you, I'm not going to remember this for an hour or a day. I will remember this every time I get into that car, and I will bring it up. And I can tell you what David did wrong on our fourth date on July 3rd, 1990, so this is not going to go well for him. So he left, he kept driving. He's like, yeah, maybe you're right. Well, he sensed, give your ice cream to Roger. So he does a U-turn, which then infuriates me, because what, are we not gonna talk about things now? You just go and make your own decisions? Don't we talk about this? He ignored me, he weighed the risk, turned the car around, rolled down his window, as the children are covered in chocolate. Do you get that? Milk in my car everywhere because you want to be a big shot and give your ice cream away. Oh, you're great. That's what I'm saying to him. Rolled down the window. He pulled up. He said, "Roger, I've missed you. It's really good to see you. Take my ice cream, Roger. Thank you so much." He was okay. It's good to see you. We drove home. I said, "You're not getting into my ice cream. You're done." And then we scrubbed out the car and the children and bathed them, and I was ripping, ripping mad. David took a risk. And wouldn't you rather err on the side of love than not? If you get a sense to give your ice cream cone away, isn't it better to at least offer it and get turned down because that's in love? But the risk was me. The risk was me, and for five years I did bring it up. Until five years later, we bumped into a couple in Target. And they brought up the situation. They said, hey, do you remember that time when uh, Roger, you saw Roger walking and you gave him an ice cream cone? And David doesn't remember anything, which is great. And was like, no, w- wait, what happened? I go, oh, I remember. Oh, I remember. Let me tell you what I remember. And they said, well, before you say that, um, you know he came over a few years ago. And he brought that story up. He had parked his car in a parking lot and he, has, he went through a bad divorce. He got his kids taken away and he got out and he was walking to the park which was right behind our house and he said, Lord, I'm done. I'm going to kill myself in that park today unless you come down and tell me that you care about me. You tell me and show me if you're real and this is the Lord that I have loved my whole life. If you're real, You show me in a tangible way because I'm done with this. I am done with this life. I'm done with the pain. I am done. And here comes David and his nagging wife. (laughs) See, we sometimes don't get to see where the ice cream lands. We don't get to know that. But man, err on the side of love. Ignore the nagging wife. If God tells you to do something, you do it. You do it. I repented heavily that day. Heavily that day. And I got it. Air on the side of love. See, sometimes God, He asks you to do things that you're like so shocked. But you pick up your mat and you walk and you let God do the rest. You let the Holy Spirit do its work because we are just the hands and feet but you let God do the work. A while later, um, and we're going to close with this in a bit, but sometimes God asks you to really risk your reputation, the way you look in front of others. He risks the embarrassment of getting it wrong. He has you risk the humiliation. He has you risk things for him. And we, when David and I lived in Manchester, um, we didn't live in the greatest of sections. And the police were at our house all the time in our neighborhood. And what was really fun about that is that like, we kind of made it a sport. And like the whole neighborhood, when the cops came, all of the neighbors came outside. Like it, like, it was like a show. And um, so when you, saw the, when you heard the sirens, you saw the cops, you go running out. And you meet your neighbors, hey, who's getting arrested today? Wow, is this a drug bust? I don't know. Like, you just never knew. And and it was actually like a fun thing for the neighbors and myself and my children. Probably not the best parenting. And so this one day, the kids are like, hey, the cops are here. I'm like, yeah, where? And so we go out into the porch, and it was uh, our our older neighbor. She was diagonal to us. And the cops were there, but they weren't writing anything down, and they were just kind of staring at her. And I said, David, go see what's going on, because you're a cop. And see, it's annoying when us go over and go, hey, what's going on? They get very annoyed at that. I found that out the hard way. And, <laughs> but when you're a cop, you can go to the other cops and say, hey, what's going on here? And it's accepted, and it's okay. So I'm like, David, go over there. He's like, I do not want to. I'm like, come on. It's Mrs. Guthrie. We've got to find out what's going on. Is it a, a burglary? Is it this? But we've had burglaries, and they have the dogs. They've got the drug dealers. We've got the, you know, like we know the procedures for the stuff, but no one was writing a darn thing down. So David goes over, and now all of the neighbors are out, all of them. They're all out in the semicircles, the pockets here, the pockets there, We're all watching what's happening. And I'm sitting on our porch watching, and I look at David, and he's like bent over, and he's like rubbing her back. I'm like, that is not police procedure. Like, what is going on? So I go to cross the street, because now I feel like, because I'm a cop's wife, I can can break that boundary. So I go over, and I cross the street, and I put my foot on her, her grass, and the Lord says to me so clearly... She is dealing with the spirit of fear, and you need to command it out in my name. And I was like, are you kidding? Do you know how much that is going to cost me? Not only me, because the neighbors probably know that I'm a little on the crazy side to begin with, but David, cops talk more than the Christian community. Cops have a grapevine, they all know one another. And if I go over there casting a spirit of fear out and speaking about Jesus, and the woman have, is like having a stroke, how do you explain that? How do you explain that? Lord, that's way too much to risk. I'm going to risk, and, and every neighbor that we have is out. I'm going to look like a jerk in front of my neighborhood. I'm going to look like a jerk in front of every police officer because you know they're going to talk about it, and they're going to be like, Hoover's wife is the one that started screaming Jesus when the woman was having a stroke. (laughs) Do you understand? Like, you don't live that down. Like, that will go down in history books as the crazy lady who started to cast a demon out when the woman was actually having a heart attack. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. So she started shaking and shaking. And I walked over to her. And as I got closer, she actually started seizing. And she flew back. She's 80 pounds, 5 feet tall. And she flung her body back. And the police officers had to grab her because she was shaking so violently that she was going to hit her head. And I went over and I said, In the name of Jesus, I command this spirit of fear to be still because you are a child of God. And she stopped and she looked at me and she goes, I am a child of God. I said, you are a daughter of the most high. And she said, I am a daughter of the most high. I said, you have known him since birth and that is your father. Yes, I do. I am a child of God. I am a daughter of the Most High. She got her identity back. She knew who she was in Christ. She needed some reminding, but she knew who she was in Christ. That woman stopped. There was no shaking, there was no fear. There's no fear when your identity is based in the Lord. See, when your identity is based in the fact that you you are an invalid on a mat, things are scary and things are dark. But when your identity is in Christ and Christ alone, there is power. That is the God we serve. And it's in Jesus' name and Jesus' name alone. That is where our power comes from. So she stopped shaking. And I was like, how is this going to go down now? And I looked up. Now, these cops, they see everything. There's nothing they don't see. I don't think they've seen this. (laughs) And I looked up, and they were just standing there. And I looked at David like, oh, honey, I am really sorry about this one. And I looked up, and David is literally like, oh, that was so good, (laughs) oh, God is good, and I was like, oh, okay, but God's power was shown, that woman forgot her identity, the worship team can come up if you can, the woman forgot her identity, guys, what is God doing in you? Do you want your identity to be founded in Christ? Today, we have our own pool of Bethsaida. We have a place where the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, can come down and touch you. We have an opportunity to be healed. If you never have made Jesus your Savior, come up. If you have things in your life, if you're struggling with unforgiveness, if you're struggling with anger, if you're struggling with bitterness, come up because God is saying to you, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Put your identity in Christ. Know who you are in Christ. And today is the day because the Lord himself Do you want to be healed?